from the trails to the road to the track. If it's running, you'll find it right here on Trail Tales ARP. Run wild. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Trail Tales ARP. Sean Sobon and Russell the Runner are here with you today. And we have a great running guest, an ultra runner from Cordes, Ontario. Erica Goreski, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, Russell had reached out to, I guess, through social media. That's how we kind of, you know, mm-hmm. make a lot of, lot of great connections. And you were gracious enough to join us on the show. So, um, you know, we're excited to have you here and learn about your running journey. Um, so, Erica, why don't you tell us how you got into running in the first place? Oh boy. Well, actually this year will be my 10 year running anniversary uh, in May, I believe. Uh, It it hasn't been that long. It hasn't been a lifelong thing. I didn't grow up with sports. I didn't grow up athletic. I didn't grow up with an interest in doing anything like this. And, uh, And then one day I just decided I wanted to give it a try. No good reason really. Uh, I I couldn't really understand why people wanted to run. You know, you see people out the window and and I just couldn't understand what made them want to do it. So I thought I'd take a stab at it and did uh, and got hooked and kept wanting to push myself further and further and further. And uh, I signed up for my first race and it was a 5K race. And I really had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about pace. I didn't know what was a good time. I didn't even really know what to wear. And uh, I just kind of went at it blind and ended up doing really well, surprisingly well. Um, It was a podium placement. And then that just kind of forced me to want to sign up for more. So I signed up for a few more 5Ks. Same thing. I'm hitting like second in my age category, all that. So it's it just kind of reinforced uh, my interest in wanting to do more and push further. So five became 10, 10 became a half marathon. And I said, you know, maybe I'll do a marathon, but I'll wait until I I turn 40. Uh, And I I didn't, I did it that year. (laughs) When I was 38 years old, I did my first marathon. And um, it was actually that marathon that forced me to make the switch to running trails. I was overtraining at the gym and running too much and not recovering enough. And I finished the marathon and ended up with a stress fracture on my femur. On your femur? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was actually my doctor's advice to stay off roads for a while, uh, visit the trails, the softer ground. He came from an athletic background. so really knew that if he said don't run anymore i wasn't going to take that advice uh so he offered me a friendlier alternative so i did that i i started visiting the forests and got so much more out of it than i ever did on the roads and it stuck i mean i still run roads because it's convenient to just you know roll out your front door and go um but i really don't have the love for it that i thought i once did um, and then just running in the trails, it just, yeah, I just love being in the woods so much. So, you know, spending four hours running around, it, it doesn't seem like a big thing. Um, so that's, I guess, what sort of pushed the distances for me too, was to keep going. And I, I was finishing big races and not feeling like totally tapped out. So maybe I could do a bit more and then maybe I could do a little bit more. And it's really just 
in pursuit of my limits, uh, which I haven't found yet. So I'm still looking. Thank you, Erica, for all of that background. That's amazing. So, I mean, just backtracking to the beginning, obviously you were very successful and quite fast from the beginning, finishing second in your age category. Which 5K race was that? And what time were you able to pull off? Oh, geez. You know, I can't even remember what my time was. Um, was it, the was very, it like the, low 20s? Yeah, yeah. It was hovering around about a five minute per kilometer pace, uh, give or take. Um, but yeah, I really had no idea. I was just running as fast as I could because I thought that's what I had to do. And I did. And I was OK. <laughs> and which race was that? I mean, that's, a, was, that's a great pace to start off. Yeah, you know? it, it was the Alfie Shrub Memorial Race in Bowmanville. I don't think they still run it, but it was a beautiful out and back. And I'm a big fan of out and backs versus loops and lollipops and whatever. I, it, it was such an easy course, so it was easy to go fast. Uh, but it was a great first race experience. I did it with my best friend and uh, we just had a good time. So it was a great way to ease into racing. Uh, such a great first experience. Wonderful. I've got a question for you, Erica. I want to go back yeah. to how you mentioned you were kind of overtraining at the gym and, and running and everything. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of us when we first start running all do that same thing because we want to get out there every day and we want to just make up for, I don't know, maybe being inactive for so long. Cause like you, I've been running for about the same time, about just over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And I uh, started off with small distances and went bigger, but yeah, there was, there was a lot of overtraining in the beginning and you end up getting injuries and things like that. So for you, um, you know, if you can take, if you can remember that mind frame, where were you at mentally with, with the training every day or, or the overtraining anyways, not allowing for enough recovery. And then how did you kind of transition to become a smarter athlete and allowing yourself to have that rest and stuff? Uh, well, it, it wasn't so much that I was running so much. It's that I fell into gym addiction. Okay. <laughs> so I was doing that. And at the time that I was training for this marathon, we were also starting to learn how to do Olympic lifting. So it was a lot of load on my legs. So when it came time to the long run, my muscles were totally fatigued. So the bones were taking the brunt of the impact of spending 40 kilometers on hard pavement. Um, and it was really just by fluke that they found the stress fracture. Um, one quote that sort of stuck with me since then um, is there's no such thing as overtraining, only under recovery. Mm. So it's really honoring that. Um, and recovery isn't just not doing, it's active recovery too, right? So yoga, uh, I've incorporated that. Um, I'm smarter with my gym workouts, but also honoring rest, getting a good night's sleep, uh, replenishing uh, your body with the you know, proper food and supplements that you may have depleted. Um, so it's really just, I, I've, I've really spent a lot of time getting to know what I need and being in tune with my body and knowing how to correct uh, if things aren't the way that they should be. And my goal really in recent years with with running longer races is not to finish fast necessarily, it's to finish the race and feel good the next day. 
to finish strong uh, and recover well. And that to me is the most important win. Very good answer. And, and I really do like that saying as well. I've never heard it before, but uh, it rings very true is with mm -hmm. the, uh, under recovery. I really like that. Um, I also want to ask, um, prior to getting into running was, was kind of being like, you know, a gym rat. Is that something that you were prior to running or did you, were you strength training before or did that come in later? Uh, not really. I mean, I was the gym goer that didn't know <laughs> what I was doing when I went to the gym uh, and just kind of hopped on some equipment and, you know, walked around on the treadmill and lifted five pound weights thinking it was doing something for me. Uh, so no, I didn't really have any vested interest in it. Uh, it was actually a group that I worked with. Um, I managed the volunteer program at Rogers TV in Oshawa at the time. And we had a volunteer that uh, was a run coach and she was teaching a clinic out of uh, one of the running rooms in the region. And uh, she had suggested putting a group of us together and we'd go a couple days a week. And so it seems sort of serendipitous that I was interested in seeing what this running thing was about. And she was offering these kind of free clinics that we could do with her on our lunch breaks. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it all got started. That's awesome. And I, so I'm very curious, Erica. So clearly it sounds like you progressed through the distances quite efficiently. Um, was it through this run coach that uh, was she the one that influenced you to get into marathoning and then eventually no. ultra marathoning or how did that work? No. And I didn't even really stick with that group for very long um, because I kind of went beyond what they were doing. So I was able to go faster and farther and the, that group kind of dissolved uh, not long after we started, actually. Um, I don't know that any of them actually continued to run beyond that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, for me to push the distances, it was really just like, okay, well, I ran 10K today and I still feel good. So what if I keep going? And what if I keep going? And then it was just pushing incrementally over time. And then as I was training, even for the half marathon, it was, it was doing a big out and back. Well, what if I add 500 meters? Well, what if I add a kilometer? And so now that one kilometer you ran beyond in your out and back is now two kilometers total, right? So it, it doesn't feel so burdensome. It doesn't uh, mess with your mind so much when you're thinking about pushing distances, it felt comfortable. And yes, it, it my, my distance uh, growth was very gradual over time. Um, and that was very intentional, but also I didn't have any super big goals. I was just doing it more for leisure than, you know, to compete or whatever. So there was nothing you know, that was really pushing me to do a lot too quickly. That's, that's smart that you were very progressive with it and that you were patient with yourself and adding a kilometer or just a little bit extra and, and staying comfortable. And so how long was it before you ran your first marathon from the time oh, you had four, started, had started running? Yeah, it was four years. So that was a real patient build. So how, how yeah. long was it to your first marathon, a, a half marathon, a couple of years? Oh, geez. Um, might've been two years. I, I can't even remember the timeline now. Um, it was Ajax, Ajax half marathon was my first one. I wish I had looked up the years before I came to this, but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't long after I was bit by the bug. 
I couldn't deny it. I had to try it at least. For sure. And so tell us about that first half marathon and the Ajax half marathon. <laughs> it was actually quite terrible. I have to be honest with you. Uh, my finish line photo is devastating. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I trained really, really hard for that one. Um, I had a goal. I, I at least wanted to hit two hours. That was my goal going into it. And uh, I really messed up my foot um, before that race. And so I did the thing we're not supposed to do as runners and probably took a little too much Advil to kind of numb the pain. So I couldn't feel when things were getting bad and uh, the nerves associated with running something scary, a little bit of Advil going on in the stomach. Uh, it did not do good things for my stomach either. <laughs> so it was just one bad thing after the next. I guess the icing on the cake was I created what I thought was going to be this really stellar uh, playlist to listen to along the way. And I had it timed perfectly at two at, to end at two hours. So as I was approaching my last song, <laughs> knowing my playlist was coming to an end and I could see the finish line was so far away, I really started to battle uh, with my brain and whether or not I was going to make it. And I did. I, I just squeaked under the two hour mark, but it was not a beautiful finish at all. Uh, but I got it done and I tried again and did a few more half marathons because I needed to redeem myself after that terrible race. But uh, learning opportunities, right? Um, took things from that. And that's really what it's all about. What did I do well that I can replicate for the next? Uh, what do I need to work on to make the next one better than this one? It's all just growth. Yeah. What, what, what do you think was the biggest takeaway from that race? Um, stop putting so much pressure. <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, new runners especially we're we're such a slave to our our watches our data our paces and you know if your watch starts chirping at you and it's a pace less than what you think you should be running then that changes the mental game and sometimes that can be really hard to course correct because once you're in that bad mental space sometimes that's where you're going to be um so it's, yeah, really just having fun, be in the moment, enjoy it for what it is, not put too much pressure on yourself. I mean, it's just a race, right? You know, we're not, I would, it's the average, we're not elites, we're not going to win, we're not going to come in first. So uh, just do your very best with what you've got, trust your training, have fun. Very well said. I think, uh, you know, that's, that's something that I, I find that I do myself as well as I tell myself, like, you know, if, if I miss a run or something, I'm like, you know what? I'm not an elite athlete. I'm just, I'm just an average Joe doing this for fun. So like you said, take yep. the pressure off. And I think, you know, the sooner we can, we can kind mm -hmm. of get into that mentality, the more we can really start to just enjoy everything. And, and um, like you said, just do it without the pressure and, and everything. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's my biggest gift through COVID too. Uh, there was a period of time during the first lockdown where, me and probably a lot of runners you start beating yourself up because it's like well i was training and now i'm not because races are canceled and what's the point anymore and what am i even training for and and it was just a, a mental shift but what this time has given me is the opportunity to really explore 
right? Without pressure to see different things. And it's amazing because, you know, I've run the same trails over and over and over again. And it was only in the last two years where I really noticed a lot of things that I just breezed by, uh, you know, because you're so focused on getting to the finish that you don't notice the really great things that are right in front of you. So that's really been a gift these past two years is literally stopping to smell the roses. And it's made running so much more enjoyable too. Most definitely. There's so much to be grateful for. And I find that it's so easy to get caught up in the moment and to forget to be grateful for all that's around you. And mm -hmm. I think that especially applies to trail running. Um, I know that I've been working on, and, and I think it's important for all trail runners to work on uh, being mindful while you're in the trail for the beauty that you're surrounded by and to be grateful for that. And I'm sure, I'm sure you can speak to that as well. Right, Erica? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. And so, um, and so go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, Russell. go ahead, John. No, no, no. <laughs> go ahead, Russell. You first. Okay. Um, and so I want to jump into, so obviously four years in you, you do your first marathon and mm -hmm. And so tell us about that experience. Tell us about your first marathon and, uh, and about the day and, and about everything you went through and what the finish was like. Um, it was exciting because it was new. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, it, it was a good experience. I, I went in it open-minded. Um, I didn't even have a time goal, really. It was just see what I come back with. And then, you know, a lot of people it's one and done with marathons. Uh, it's fun to get the medal and maybe never again. And uh, I knew that that wouldn't be the case because I'd at least want to do one more to see if I could beat my previous time. Um, and I did. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't remember the specifics of the day. It's, it's been a while, but uh, it's everything I've, every race I've done has been a great experience. Um, I can't really think of any one race experience where I would say I, it was miserable or I wouldn't recommend it to somebody. Um, I was able to take something great from everyone, truly. Let me ask, um, what are your must-haves at a race? Hmm, my must-haves. <sighs> a coordinated outfit. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I know that sounds version. crazy. <laughs> but I feel like if you if you like the clothing you're wearing, that's going to help you perform better. I don't know. I was like that in school too. If I go to write an exam, I made sure I looked professional because I felt like that would yield more positive results. I don't know if it's true or not, but anyway, I like to be coordinated <laughs> as a runner. Um, there's not a lot. My needs are pretty simple. I don't even really eat or drink a lot while I'm running. So it's not even that I need to have a certain snack with me. Um, a smile. I think that's important to have. That's something I pack with me. <laughs> I know that sounds corny, but that's important to me to keep strong in the mental game. So, you know, it's thanking the volunteers when you run past them or in trails. I mean, everybody's so supportive, but offering a smile to the people you're passing makes them feel good, makes me feel good. 
Um, but yeah, there's really no, I don't have good luck charms. There's nothing like that, that I, I feel is going to make me perform better or not. Um, I like having really fun socks, <laughs> but that goes with the coordinated outfit. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing really in particular that is integral for me to have on race day. Okay. Well, you know, they always say dress, dress for success, right? So if you're, if you you're dressed, it. you're coordinated and you look good, you feel good, you're going to run good, right? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Perfect. Um, what kind of shoes do you, do you like to run in? I am a really large fan of the Topo Athletic shoes. Uh, they are, they're not so common in the Canadian market as they are in the States. Um, I made the transition a couple years ago to a shoe with a wider toe box. Um, there aren't a lot of them. Ultra would be probably the closest uh, uh, similar type of shoe. Uh, I really, with, with the injuries that I had sustained, um, I really took a closer look at what I could do to prevent. And one of those things was to ensure proper foot mechanics. Um, instead of having my feet jammed tight in conventional running shoes, I wanted my toes to be able to splay like they're designed to when I'm landing on my feet. Uh, I want to be able to feel the earth beneath my feet. I don't want big, thick running shoes where I, I step on a rock and I can't even feel it. Um, I want to be able to jump from root to root and feel those roots underneath my feet. Um, so I found um, the Topo Athletic and I've been really loyal to them. They've been a great shoe for me, both in running uh, roads and trails. They're very consistent with their, um, with their styles and their models. And I can literally unbox a pair and go for a long run and not worry about, you know, them not being broken in. And so that's really important to me. Um, but they, yeah, that, that's my go-to. Um, I, when I see them on sale, I stock up. <laughs> I've got a nice little collection in my basement waiting for me for this season, but it get good mileage out of them too. Um, they really do hold up. Uh, through lots of kilometers and every weather. But nothing like opening up a, a new box of shoes. Especially oh, if they're a, a cool color. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you asked that question, Sean, because I'd never heard of Topo Athletic, Erica. Ah. And that's, I mean, I've heard of a wide range of brands, but I'd somehow never heard of that. And so it sounds like based on all of the reasons you've mentioned, you'd highly recommend them, right? Yeah. Yeah, I really like them. Um, they, they've changed their styles a little bit over time, but they're still fairly consistent. And I've got such a stockpile of previous models that I'm good for at least another year. Wonderful. They've certainly piqued my interest. I've never heard of them either, but uh, oh. I, I, I typically run in ultras. So you said they kind okay. of compare to that. So certainly yeah. interesting. I'm going to check them out and uh, who knows, I might try a pair. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you won't yeah. be disappointed. Awesome. I'll have you to thank if I enjoy them. So. <laughs> Perfect. Like it. Yeah. So, um, ultra running, um, we kind of talked about your marathon and everything. So when you decided to run your first ultra, like, how did you first hear about ultras? I know for me, it was just listening to podcasts and like ultra running. What is this? It sounds insane. And then, you know, you kind of get sucked into it. If, if, <laughs> if you, if you're the type of person, you know, that we all are and the ones that in the audience that likes to kind of push our limits and, and spend a lot of time outdoors. So what was, what was that transition like for you? I can't even recall learning about 
anything longer than a marathon. Um, it didn't seem even at that time there was much of a trail running community uh, within the Durham region either. I mean, there probably was, but I didn't know about it because uh, I was still pretty far removed from it. Um, gosh, I wish I, I, I really can't remember uh, what made me want to do more. My first was um, 50K. Uh, that was um, Seton Soaker in Ajax. And, uh, and then from there, I did Halliburton 50K. And that was a doozy. And when you um, did Halliburton a few times, right? I, yeah, yeah. I've done 50K Halliburton twice and 50 mile once there. And um, so tell us about Halliburton. I know I've obviously had the pleasure of running it once, but you've experienced it three different times. So I'd love to hear about all of your experiences. Uh, Halliburton's wonderful. It's it's beautiful. It's very technical. Um, there isn't a lot that you can do locally here that compares to Halliburton. It's kind of a beast unto itself. Um, I did the training runs that they offered before each of the races, and that was really helpful um, just to experience the trails beforehand and get a sense of kind of what we were uh, uh, to expect. Um, but the one thing I would say about Halliburton above all else is that they've really created this amazing community and the camaraderie amongst the group that goes there year after year um, from the race directors to the volunteers. It's like, it almost feels like a family reunion. Like everyone's excited to go to Halliburton in September, um, even though we know how hard it is and how challenging it is. And uh, it's really just about the vibe um, and I, I think, I think that's true of a lot of trail races. It's really about the people more than it is about the actual race itself. Uh, there's just something about it. So that's what brought me back year after year, um, going there, uh, it's four times. I did the 26 K as my introduction to Halliburton, uh, as a very novice trail runner. Uh, and it, it kicked my ass, <laughs> but I wasn't done. I was going back more. <laughs> That's so amazing. I, I I love everything that you've said about Halliburton. Tegan is an incredible race director. I'll mm -hmm. never forget uh, just how energetic she was in the morning and uh, just how creative she was with all of the racers at the start line um, yeah. in terms of her like communication and just the unique uh yeah communication that she has um with all of the racers at that start line it was yeah. it was certainly it makes a, a unique huge experience. difference huge difference definitely and how, how hard you, do you think it is sorry russell how hard do you think it is for these race directors not to actually really like run in their own race on, on race day it's got to be hard i'd imagine yeah you got all that energy there and everybody and you got to well, I mean, the same could be said for us as runners going to somebody else's race <laughs> and not actually <laughs> doing it. Like you can feel yourself jumping out of your skin, wanting to just jump in there. Right. That's so true. Yeah. Speaking of that, have you, have you spent any time like volunteering for any races at all? I haven't guilty. Uh, I should, <laughs> especially as somebody that uh, makes a career out of volunteerism. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I really should. And actually it was on my list, um, prior to COVID, it was something that I really wanted to do, uh, to give back. 
And I was also an ambassador for the group Run Like a Girl based out of BC. And one of the requirements for their ambassadorship is you had to do a certain number of hours as a volunteer at a local race. And then COVID came along and races were canceled. So I never really got to bring that to fruition, but it is definitely something that I would like to do. Uh, certainly more often, even if it's just once a year uh, to give back to a race that uh, gave to me. Hey, this is ultra runner Michael McLean. Hey, this is Alex Maycock. Hey, this is Brittany Jackson. You're listening to Trail Tales, a running podcast with Sean Sobon. Run wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really well put. And I think, you know, it's, it's so important now, especially when things are starting to recover from COVID and races are ramping up again. We're getting away from virtual and going to more in person now. Um, you know, a lot of these races, they rely on the volunteers to make it run smoothly and it gives a better experience for the runners. So I think that's something that we should all consider, um, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward is to is to find a local race and, and volunteer for it. I think that's, that's something that uh, I should do myself. And, you know, we got to strengthen our community because it is such a great community of people from from the people that run it and volunteer to the people yeah. that that run into it so yeah absolutely volunteering mm-hmm. is good stuff and so erica i know we've talked uh, a little bit and i wanted i wanted to ask you um c- could you tell us about your experience in all of the different facets of physically mentally emotionally and spiritually yeah. <laughs> all of them at the bad beaver three oh, day 150 beaver kilometer ultra. ultra marathon everyone and and obviously the second time you did it yes so bad beaver ultra is in gatineau park in quebec and it was my first stage race um i knew nothing about stage racing and it was completely new uh i spent the entire summer before that just experimenting with everything with clothing with gear with food um the unique part about that stage race is that you have to carry your stuff with you they give you a tent to sleep in at night they give you water at the aid stations and they give you dinner and you're responsible for everything else. So that's carrying your sleeping bag, it's carrying all of your food for the three days you're out there. Um, There's a a gear list of things you have to carry. Well packed, it was about 15 pounds worth of stuff uh, on our backs. It's August long weekend, it's intensely humid. Um, There are a lot of variables that needed to be considered to train for that it's not just running distance it's running distance with 15 pounds that you have to you know you can't take it off and um and managing the nutrition and and hydration and clothing when it's humid because you're wearing the same clothing for four days you arrive in the clothes you're going to wear to race for the next three so it's really gross (laughs) but it was also really (laughs) awesome um literally one of my favorite race experiences and it will probably remain as such um the group of people that ran that race the first time uh it was a small group um i i think maybe tops there were 20 people and we were a family and you know people kind of 
get pecked off as the days go on and they get harder um, or, you know, they injure themselves or they're not up for the challenge of continuing beyond the first, the second day, whatever. Um, but by far the most supportive, kind group of people I've ever had the pleasure of spending three days alone in the woods with. Uh, it was just the most fascinating, wonderful race experience. Um, so I wanted to do it the second. So I signed myself up for 2019 and I did quite well the first year um, from, for that uh, race. I think I was third female. So I did really well, right? And so I wanted to beat that if I could. Um, there were a number of people the second year that did it the first year. So again, it's the family reunion. We're all coming back to do it again and look how crazy we are. Um, so going into that race, I had received some bad news that my best friend's health was declining rather rapidly. And uh, she had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, not long before. And um, it was a guessing game how things were gonna go. And uh, just kind of preventatively, we had put a communications plan in place. I'm in the middle of the woods, I don't get cell signals. So, if something happened, I needed to know. Um, so it was communication with our race director and there was this whole chain of command and how that was going to play out. The morning of the race, for whatever reason, I got one blip of signal on my phone and I got a message that she had had a stroke and that she was now in the hospital and things were not looking up. Um, that was 10 minutes before the race start and I really didn't know what to do. And uh, so I consulted <laughs> with my tent mates and also the race director and they all said, you need to go. Like there's nothing you can do um, at this point, you just run. If something, if something comes up, we'll find you and, and we'll bring you to a place of safety if need be. And so I did and it was hard. I was emotional, I was sad. I, I, I started the race off in a bad headspace, and that's kind of how things went. Um, about eight kilometers into the race was the first time I was alone since starting off with the group that morning. And that was kind of when it really hit me because um, I was by myself, it was quiet, I was in the middle of a big vast space and the emotions just overtook and I couldn't catch my breath and I, I was just crying uncontrollably and I just kept pushing on and I did and I finished that day and I started the second day and there was no news so you know just kind of forging ahead and let's just get it done still loved the experience but it was nothing like the first one because I was carrying some heavy baggage this time around um, so day two the emotional side started to break me down physically and um, I ended up suffering a bit of an injury that was way worse than we thought when I decided to run on it third day. Anyway, it just, it, it broke me down. Um, I, I shared the story with Russell uh, a couple weeks ago and it was, it was such an emotional roller coaster. Um, I'm grateful now looking back. Um, the group that was a part of that race, they all waited. They waited for me at the finish line. Some of them had finished hours before. The elite runners were fast. They finished, they didn't need to stay. 
I ended up walking about 27 kilometers on a really damaged leg. So it took me a really, really long time to finish on day three. And they waited. They all waited at the finish line. And when I saw everyone, it it made me cry even more because I was so grateful that they were there, but I was also so frustrated because they were celebrating me and I didn't feel that I deserved that because I felt like I had, I, sh I should have tapped out sooner. I physically, I should have tapped out sooner and I was mad at myself that I didn't because I thought maybe if I had it stopped sooner, I wouldn't have damaged myself as much as I did. And it pulled me out of running for a while and I was fine and nothing's, nothing's come back since. Um, but it was a potentially bad situation um, that could have been long-term. So it was a real emotional roller coaster for me. Um, and the day after the race, my friend passed away. So it was managing the feelings of failure because I didn't finish the race how I wanted to. I was injured, I was suffering her loss, uh, and they were all competing for my attention and I didn't know which one to give it to. Um, and I really think now looking back, the physical stuff probably numbed the emotional stuff. Uh, and it was a first things first. I had to heal physically first uh, and then I could deal with the emotional stuff. So yeah, it was, it was quite the experience. Um, I don't know if they're offering that race again, but if they do, you can bet that I'll be back for a third time. Uh, because if nothing else, I want to change the association I have with that forest. So change the narrative, you know, I feel like I've kind of implanted some negativity on that trail just because of how I felt for those three days while I was running it. And I would really love to turn that around and do those trails again and, and restore it to the positive energy that I felt the first time. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us and, you know, sorry for your loss. I want to say that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite the ordeal to go through and, um, you know, just the way they were waiting for you at the finish line, all your friends, like you had mentioned, it's, it's family getting together again. And yeah. just, that just rings true there. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I certainly hope you get the opportunity to go back one day. And, Me too. and like you said, just kind of change the vibe there and put that positive mm -hmm. energy back onto that trail and, you know, take, take that next step. It's, it's one thing to get hurt physically, you know, it takes time to, to heal tissues and bones and things like that. But sometimes those emotional traumas can take a lot longer and they're a lot more complicated to deal with. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I totally get it. You know, Erica, I'd like to say that your resiliency is, is absolutely phenomenal. And thank you. And my most sincere condolences for uh, your your loss and um and i is there any news with regards to whether that race will be returning I don't, I don't know i don't know when after 2019 there was some discussion that they would do it every other year uh i don't know where things have landed if it will come back i really do hope so it's it's a really neat experience and it would be amazing if they could grow the participants uh, the small group is fine. It was, it was lovely because you got to know people on a very personal level when you're with 15 people, right? Um, but it would be awesome for those numbers to grow. 
Uh, I mean, it's the same number of volunteers and the same number of work for 15 people or 100, right? So it'd be, it'd be amazing if they could grow the participant list. So that's me putting it out there. If they do come back, really great, cool experience. And there aren't a lot of stage races in Southern Ontario that I know of, or Ontario at all. So um, really cool experience. Yeah, and you know, Ontario's got some beautiful trails that, that mm -hmm. you can have so many different types of races on. And mm -hmm. where I live in particular, we've got the Bruce Trail right in our backyard and in the right. Dufferin County region and lots of side trails and stuff too. So yeah, we're kind of mm -hmm. in lots of hills here too. So I'm in a bit of a runner's paradise. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, for I've sure. Been, I've been to the Durham Forest in the past too for some mountain biking stuff many years ago, but another beautiful area for sure. Yes, yes, yeah. very nice. So um what's your what's your race calendar look like this year do you have any events kind of circled that you're kind of targeting for yourself yes uh once the deferral so i had signed up for pick your poison 50k back in 2020 so i'm doing that in april um i don't have a choice <laughs> so it's there and it's good because it's kept me honest through the winter and got me out the door on days when it would have been so much nicer to stay in bed. Uh, so I'm pushing towards that. Um, that's the only one that's carried over from previous. I also, my friend, talked me into doing Steep Ultra in September, which is in Newfoundland. Uh, it's wow. a mountain race. It's 50K. Uh, and it's 700 feet of elevation, apparently, and four mountain peaks. So it's, it's kind of big, but that's, that's how I like to plan my race schedule normally is usually around November, December, I'll want to put something huge on the calendar that's way far away, that at the time that I register, there's no way I'm capable of doing it, and it gives me something to work towards. Uh, it's bigger than me. It's still bigger than me. I have a lot of work to do to be able to do that. Uh, mountain running is no small thing. Um, I did a mountain race in 2019 in Golden, BC, and it was beautiful, but it was hard. And that one, as far as elevation goes, is quite a lot less than the one I'm doing this September. So there's a lot of work that I have to do, and I'm kind of excited about it. Um, hill training is not fun, and yeah, you got to seek out the doozies to make it worth your while. So, but those are the two that are on my calendar. I didn't want to get overzealous and sign up for things, not really knowing what was going to take place. Um, so if anything, I may just jump in on the odd one here and there, but I'm also just happy exploring my own backyard too. I, I don't, I don't get excited about medals and shirts and bibs, um, like I once did. Uh, I'm really just happy to grab a close friend or two and create my own running challenge or just run in my own backyard. So we'll see. I'm open to ideas, uh, but I also don't want to spend my entire summer in full-blown training mode. Uh, it's finding that balance between enjoying your time off, enjoying your, your summer, and working towards a goal. Um, because I have been swallowed whole by training before and it became all consuming and it forced me to not really enjoy the summer the best that I could. So it, it's, yeah, I'm looking for that balance this year. Yeah. And summer is so short as it is. It's, it's, you know, you, you blink and it's over and then you realize yeah. I just spent the whole thing running and 
you get consumed by right. it, like you said, and, and it, it becomes tedious and not enjoyable. Like, oh man, I have to run tomorrow. And it's like, you know. Yeah. Well, not even that, but it just books up your weekends, right? Like yeah. even just looking ahead to September, it's holy crap. There's not that many. And I already have things on the calendar for a few of them. So yeah, it's always the, uh, the balance, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, by the way, you said, uh, steep ultra is 50 kilometers, 700 feet. I'm thinking you must mean 7,000 feet, right? Sorry. Yes. 7,000 feet. <laughs> because yeah. 700 feet is obviously yes. a cakewalk for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. 7,000 so 7, feet. And the, the time cutoff awesome. is, is 12 hours. So it's, that doesn't see in my head right now. I'm like, that's not a very generous time cutoff if you're climbing four mountains, but I don't know, maybe it is. Uh, but yeah, it's big. So I'm excited about that. With, with all that elevation and being mountains and four peaks, are you going to plan on using um, poles for this run or are you going to go without them? Um, yeah, I will. I find it really helpful. Um, I was very fortunate when I did Golden, uh, one of the, the people that I was sharing um, a house with while we were there for a few days uh, taught my friend and I how to use poles effectively for climbing. Like we both kind of showed up with hiking poles like, okay, well, I guess we'll just use these like this, right? Um, but he showed us how to use them effectively when climbing hills, especially. So I think it's good to have, uh, especially when you start to get fatigued and you can take some of that load off your body. Um, and if you don't, you know, I'd rather have them than not yeah. and strap them to my pack. Uh, but definitely, I think when you're climbing steep things, you definitely want to have them for sure. Okay. Now I've never used poles myself. So if I was going to, what kind of advice would you give a guy like me that's never used them to be able to use them effectively? Uh, it eventually becomes intuitive. Okay. Um, the one thing that had helped me in learning was kind of have like a metronome beat in your head. So you're placing your poles to that beat. So it's very rhythmic. Um, and then that will help you to make it intuitive and you're not thinking about, I'm moving my right arm, putting my pole down, I'm moving my left arm, putting my pole down. Um, it just becomes an extension of your arms. Um, <laughs> funny little thing that I had that metronome beat in my head, but I also had a mantra to go with it. So with each little tick on the ground, it was a word. So it was like strong, healthy, strong fit whatever i can't remember specifically what it was at the time but it was like putting that good energy out with every little stab to the ground with the poles i don't know it worked it kept me in a good headspace so i would probably do it again uh but they're they're i definitely encourage it it takes practice though there's lots of videos on youtube uh, that will show you how to use them well and definitely follow that advice because it does make a difference um and, and the light ones, the, I have the black diamond, um, they're carbide, they're super light. Like you can't even feel them attached to your body, uh, or your arms. It's not heavy at all. Um, Are those the black diamond carbon FLZ? Yes. They're the women's version. I don't know what the difference between the men's and the women's version is, uh, but they're great. They're really great. And they're comfortable too. Uh, so yeah, I would strongly encourage watching the videos. I know it sounds weird. You're learning how to use polls, but, uh, it's definitely helpful. 
Cool. I've watched so many like just running videos in general. Watching a few pole videos isn't gonna. <laughs> right. Right. Too much, much, right. Yeah. Right. Not so weird. Yeah. Not for us, anyways. Right. No. Yeah. No. Maybe for non-runners, they might think, well, "What are you doing?" But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a great meme the other day from my father-in-law, and it said, uh, "The only thing better than uh, the feeling of running is the feeling of not running." He's not. He's not a runner, obviously. <laughs> 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 I just want to say I, I second all of your thoughts there, Erica. Uh, I know that polls make a huge difference in terms of uh, your posture and, mm-hmm. and staying upright and mm-hmm. maintaining that strength. I know that Halliburton was my first real trail elevation experience, and I used polls the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have made it as far as I did without them. Um, yeah. They helped keep me strong and keep the posture strong and um yeah. i like that how you how you use black diamond i have that as well and yeah, they're, they're a great brand and uh yeah they're um i'm sure you agree they're yeah a strong and, awesome brand. And doing doing a mountain race too i couldn't imagine not um like when i did golden the first day was it was a three kilometer climb straight up the side of the mountain and three kilometers doesn't sound like a lot on flat ground, but when you're going up the side of a mountain, it's really far and it's really steep. And literally like it's, uh, it's almost a 45 degree angle. So if you didn't have poles in the ground, like you would, you would literally have to do hands on your thighs to propel yourself up. There would be no way, no way. So with the steep ones, I don't know, unless you're like superhero strength, there's no way you could not have them. General Hill, sure, but mountains, nope. Prepare, Russell, <laughs> you need them for your mountain race too. Thank you, yes, for sure. I've been using them this winter in the snow constantly and yeah, no, you're yeah. you're right. Yeah, you couldn't be more spot on, especially straight up those steep mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I mean, even the most elite ultra runners are using poles there, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems seems like it's a must have. I think you're gonna, you know, use use your upper body and and you're gonna need that because your legs are gonna just burn right out. I think if you're trying. Anything. There are some races that if you use poles, they consider it as an advantage. So if you use poles, you can't earn a podium spot. And that's the case in Halliburton. Is it? Okay. It is for sure. And I'm curious, I mean, Western States is obviously one of the bigger, I mean, it's, it's arguably the biggest ultra marathon in the U S I don't think they allow poles at Western States. I've never seen in all of the documentaries I've watched. I don't think, so there's certain events where they won't allow you to have poles either. Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting. interesting. I haven't I'm, seen any ultra runner at Western States using poles. You know, you know who would know is Norm from Gotta Run Racing because he's he's running the Western States this year. So I'll I'll ask him. He's been he's been training hard. I see him running up and down the streets in Orangeville on the hills when I'm on my way to work. So I'll pull I up. wonder if how much of that is just pride too and ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe right. Yeah, possible. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it, it absolutely is. So we are getting near the end of our time, Erica. Um, but before we go, just we'll, you know, we'll do a few rapid fire questions Ooh, for okay. you, just for fun. Maybe me and Russell will just take turns going. So this is just going to be off the top of our head. But oh I guess I'll go. I'll go first. So okay. what's your what's your favorite season to run in? I actually really love the summer. I love the sunshine. I love how easy it is to just 
throw on shorts and a t-shirt and go and not spend four hours trying to gather layers and second guessing every article of clothing you're wearing. I love being sweaty. Um, yeah, I just, I really love all things summer. Fall would be second in line. Fall's very beautiful, but I think I love a good sweaty run more than fall. Awesome. And so my question for you would be, what's your top three meals for either pre-run and or post-run? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm sad that you asked that question because. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um, I don't actually have a favorite meal um, at all, but especially pre-race, uh, I don't subscribe to the carb loading um, thing that most runners do. I actually generally don't eat grains at all. So pasta, the usual pasta spaghetti dinner does not appeal to me at all. Um, part of my, I guess, conditioning and training for the longer endurance races was to make my body more efficient for endurance. So it was moving towards more of a fat fueling system than a carb fueling system. Um, so it's things like eggs, avocado, uh, olives, anything that's really high in natural fats, um, coconut oil, uh, MCT oil, um, pre-race, I gotta be honest with you, most of my long runs and races, I do them fasted. Um, if I have anything at all, it's bulletproof coffee, which would have grass-fed butter and MCT oil in it. So it gives you a good dose of healthy fats to get things going. Um, but I generally don't eat a lot before or uh, uh, sorry, the dinner before or the morning of. And it's, I've never found it to be a deficiency. Like I don't feel sluggish or it, it's just what works for me. And that's just years of trial and error, really. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that's what works for me. Great answer. I like that. Very interesting. But so do you kind of have, you know, like the, um, well, the, the ketosis diet, right? Where you're not necessarily eating any carbohydrates. Like do you, do you incorporate carbohydrates into your diet or is it primarily fats and proteins? No, I think you have to, um, it's very selective, right? So things like sweet potatoes, um, are very wonderful. Um, just carefully choosing. I'm, I'm kind of not doing in anything right now, but when I am focusing on training for something before a race, yeah. But I will tell you that there is nothing finer after a long race than a big bag of salty chips. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the best. Awesome. And quick follow-up question. So what does MCT stand for? MCT oil? Uh, Medium chain triglyceride. I think that's right. <laughs> now I'm second yeah. guessing myself. Yeah. Okay. And what does that mean in simple terms? <laughs> Sean, you seem to have the know-how. <laughs> Well, <laughs> nutritionally well it's, it's just pretty much the, the composition of, of of the fatty acid right so they they have different sizes right so i'm not too familiar with the medium chain ones but like if you talk about peptides and things like that which are different sizes of proteins they're just the composition of them and how kind of long they are if you will right so okay. so if you have you know there, there's good fats and bad fats so that's going to be in the in the category of, of the good fat i guess right because mm -hmm. the, the the bad fats quote unquote are stored as um just um adipose tissue right which is what you don't want right but at the same time when your body is you're consuming mainly fats and stuff 
it's it's the most um, calorie dense macronutrient there is. So it's really great for endurance. You explained that far more. better than I would have. Oh, Thank well, you. I, I, probably, <laughs> I just kind of hacked it there. But anyways, that's the, it in a nutshell. But uh, okay, next question for you, Erica. Um, yep. It's it's a two parter. Okay. Uh, okay. So what is your current music playlist like for your runs? And what's the one song that really gets you going when you're running that just kind of picks oh. you up and makes you go? Okay. Um, I, I most often don't listen to music when I run. Okay. Um, I, especially in trails, I feel like I need to be very present and vigilant. So I don't usually listen to music. Even when I road run, I don't. It sort of depends on the headspace I'm in. Sometimes mm -hmm. I need the distraction. Sometimes I'm content with my own thoughts. Um, actually, one of my very favorite things to do is just to put on my Spotify playlist that's just my liked songs. And I love kind of seeing the sequence that they come in on, on random. And, and it's really interesting when the song matches what I'm doing or where I'm, where I'm at. So that's kind of fun. Um, anything I can really sort of sing along in my head. Uh, I listen to podcasts a lot when I run too. Uh, I feel like it's a good opportunity to learn while I'm out there for a long period of time, but it varies. It switches between music and podcasts kind of depending, but I'm not loyal to any one particular thing. Um, just kind of go with it depending on the day. The song that gets me going. Um, Huh. I would have to say, and it sounds kind of corny, is the song Time to Run by Laura Huron. Love the band and the song is fun. And I can't even remember how I came across it, but it ended up being a really great first song on my playlist when I was doing races where I would listen to music because the song starts with a really soft melody at the beginning and it gradually builds. So generally when they would start the countdown that's when I would press play so the soft music would play underneath while they're doing the countdown and then when it was go time that's when the song was at it's like let's go right so it that it kind of gave me that little push and motivation awesome I like it I, and I gotta admit I don't know that song I just pulled it up on my iTunes oh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a listen to it after yeah, yeah, I yeah. have to add that to my playlist yeah it's just a fun song good stuff so my next question for you is what's your long-term big dream ultra marathon race? Is it in the U S is it in Canada? Where is it? And, I, and why? I actually, I actually don't have one. Um, and I can, I'll be honest in saying I haven't even really looked around very much. Um, there's lots out there. It, I, I would say what I don't want to do is repeat races. I know I've said, you know, I'm do, I'd like to do Bad Beaver again, or uh, I'd like to do Halliburton again. Um, but there's just so many races, even in Ontario. So why am I going to pay to keep doing the same ones? I'd really love to explore my own country uh, as much as I can and see what's out there. A lot of what I'm interested in comes out of recommendation from other people that have done the races and have raved about it, but I don't have any particular loyalty to one race or one goal race because I don't know really what's out there. Um, when I started as a runner, I, I kind of lusted after the idea of the wall of China um, mm. race. And I don't even know why, other than that, I just thought it seemed really cool. And if you're going to do a marathon, you may as well do it doing something like that. 
right? So I feel like for me, I want the race experience to open me up to something that I otherwise wouldn't have um, access to. So I don't want to pay to do a road run on a run that I can run for free any old time. Um, it's got to give me access to something that is unique and special that I couldn't do unless I was doing that race. So that's awesome. trail and roads. Well, I've, I've got a recommendation for you, if, especially if you like to do one and done. It's, okay. my, it's my favorite trail race. And I was saddened to learn that it's, this is the last year of it. It's the 10th and final year. It's called Chase the Coyote Trail Race. Oh, yes. Do you know that was on my list. Yes, I yes. do. Mono I do Cliffs. So this September yeah. 17th, that's, they have a 50K, they have a 26, uh, or 25 it. rather, and a 16K. So that's the weekend after weekend. Halliburton. Nah. Uh, are you doing Halliburton? No, I'm doing Steep. Oh, when is that? It's the uh, it's September long weekend, Labor Day long weekend. Okay. Well, you'll be you'll be good and recovered to do Chase the Coyote. Just come for the 25K. <laughs> I'll it's explore it's it. Last, it's the last year. It's so sad. I know. Yeah, That's I remember crazy. I tried to do the get in on that one one year, and I can't remember. I didn't align schedule-wise, but yeah, I'll definitely explore it. Yeah, well, if you do go, you'll have to let me know. I'll see you there. Hey, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I guess, I guess you know, we're, we're at the end of the show, Eric. I want to thank you for being such an amazing guest and, and sharing your running journey with us. Uh, it's been great to, to meet you and speak with you. And, thank and you. Russell, it's good to see you again. So I guess, you know, I'll leave you with our, our phrase that we leave with all our guests here. Russell, are you going to do it with me this time, buddy? Here we go. Run, Run wild. wild. <laughs> It'll work you on betcha. that. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. And that's a wrap on another great episode of Trail Tales ARP, a running podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for your continued support and always listening to the show and, and investing your time and energy uh, with me here. Really do appreciate it. If you want more Trail Tales ARP or if you want to help support our show, uh, please subscribe to us on any podcast uh, player that you listen to. Leave us a review, rate us, follow us on Instagram. Uh, send the show an email, trailtalesarp at gmail.com, and tell your friends we'd really appreciate it. Run wild, everybody. We'll catch you next week.